The following is a sermon from the Vicar and Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. This morning, I have some song lyrics for us all, and maybe by the end of the, the line of this verse, you'll be able to know what song it is, and if you do, you can, you can say it with me at the end. They say there's a heaven for those who will wait. Some say it's better, but I say it ain't. I'd rather laugh with the sinners and cry with the saints. The sinners are much more fun. You know that. Only the good die young. Okay, a couple of you got it. Only the good die young. It's Billy Joel. It's a classic song. Probably most of you have heard of Billy Joel at least a little bit. And I bring this song up not to talk about the controversy of this song. There was a big controversy. I'm not here to talk about how his misuse of heaven and hell and that heaven is worse than hell. What I want to bring this song up for this morning is because I think that the best artists in this world have the pulse on what we believe as a society. So when Billy Joel says that he'd rather laugh with the sinners and cry with the saints and that the sinners are much more fun and that we Christians, the good, die young, that people believe that. Most people believe it and maybe even we sometimes can buy into that. That maybe our lives would be more fun, more full, more pleasurable if we weren't Christian. It's like Billy Joel has this world set up that there's a way of pleasure and on the other side, there's the way of God. And if that's true, if there's two different ways and one is full and the other is not, then why did Jesus, as His first miracle, choose to change water into wine at a wedding? Over a thousand, the equivalent of a thousand bottles of wine, he, he did with this miracle. If our Christian lives are supposed to be empty, why did He fill all those jars with wine? You know, Jesus shows us that the route or the way of pleasure and the way of God are not these two separate things. But the way of pleasure and the way of fullness and God is one way. And it's with Christianity. And Paul's going to dig into this a little deeper. And he's going to show us that our lives as Christians, they can be so full so full that Paul says you can be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Your life can be so full that you're filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That Billy Joel would have to look at you and say, I was wrong. Your life is full. So we're going to take a look at what that means for our Christian's life and how we attain a full life filled to the measure of God. And it's through three things. The first thing is that it's through prayer. We 
have this full life of God. The second way is that we grasp at the ungraspable. And finally, it's through a God who can do so much more. So those are the three things. We're going to read Ephesians chapter 3. It's in your bulletins on page 10. If you're online with us, open up your Bibles. Ephesians 3, we're going to start at verse 14. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven on earth derives its name. I pray that out of His glorious riches, He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to His power that has worked within us, to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Maybe by the last word there, you realize that this whole section of Paul is a prayer. And you could have known that too by the first words in verse 14, for this reason I kneel before the Father. You know, the first words in this section remind us what's at the heart of a full life filled to the measure of the fullness of God. And it's a full life of prayer. That's the first thing Paul shows us. And if we would get that and if we just pray more, our lives would be full. So pray more. Amen. Go home. Everything's solved. Your lives are full. But we know it's not like that. And maybe some of you have it figured out. Maybe you have your lives of prayer all figured out. And praise God for those who, who do. But then there's some of us, including myself, that struggle with our lives of prayer. And so I want to think about what is our problem exactly with prayer. And can we just throw one excuse off right out the bat? Can we stop saying that we don't have time for it? That's... That's a garbage excuse that we don't have time. Maybe, maybe the problem is this. Maybe it's that we're seeing prayer as something that we do for God instead of something that God does for us. Because God doesn't need our prayers, but we need prayer. We need to be connected to our God. And I don't really think that's our biggest problem with prayer, though. Maybe our biggest problem is that we see prayer as, as kind of an added bonus, a, a cherry on the top of our Christian faith instead of the, the spiritual heartbeat that it is. So we just don't realize how spiritually dependent we are on God. Maybe that's our problem with prayer. And if you're struggling with prayer, 
if that's our problem, how do we fix that problem? Well, it's kind of a, it's kind of a cycle, so it's kind of weird, but to fix that cycle, to pray more, we have to pray to pray more. Pray for the strength to be able to pray more. It's kind of a cycle that, that we're stuck in. But to realize that we could set aside times to pray. We could get a partner to do it with. We could find a place in our house every morning. All amazing things to do. All great for us. But the only thing that's going to change our heart about prayer is God. God is the only one that can change our heart about prayer. Did you know that God loves it when we pray to him for something like prayer? He loves it for two reasons. The first reason is that when we're asking for something like that, we're asking for something he already wants to give us. He wants to give us that full life of prayer, that connection to him, that love and and, and like a relationship of a, of a father. The second reason God loves it when we ask for something like prayer is because it's a chance for God to, to flex his muscles, to show his might. See what, see what he says, what Paul says in verse 16. I pray that out of his glorious riches... He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being. Paul says, out of His glorious riches, He's going to strengthen you to do something like pray. And I want to focus on that word glorious riches. It's out of God's glorious riches that He can do something like this. Glorious because it takes a ton of power to give somebody something like that, to change their heart about prayer. Think about it this way. What do you pray about? Maybe you pray about money. Someone could give you money. I could give you a little bit of money and help. Someone, if you're praying for something like a job, I could go look for a job with you. If you have medical trouble, I could walk to the hospital with you and try to help, and someone might be able to help you. But to change your heart, to change what you believe, what you feel, that's only something God can do. To change your heart about prayer. So out of God's glorious riches, His glorious power, He can do something like that, like change your heart about prayer. Glorious, because it takes power, but riches, riches because when we're asking God for some of that power to, to pray, to have a connection with Him, it's not like we're stealing God's power. Riches. It's like His power is raining from the sky. It's overflowing. God's power is infinite. We're not taking from Him. He has so much power to give. Riches. And He wants to give it to us. So we know who to, who to go to. At the heart of a full life filled to all the fullness of God is a life full of prayer. And God can give us that. So we pray to him for hearts like that. But you know, 
prayer alone, if we just have prayer, isn't going to give us a full life. It's not going to give us a full life in Christ. It connects us to it, but it doesn't give us everything uh, together. You know, Paul, in, his, in this section, he asked for us to have power to do something that results in a full life filled with the fullness of God. I'm going to say that one more time. Paul asks that we have power to do something that results in a life filled with the fullness of God. What do you think that, that something in the middle is there? It is right in there. What do you think that, that power, the superpower that's going to fill our lives? Maybe if we think of superpowers like immortality or, or teleportation, you know, you could do a lot of superpowers that fill your life. So what do you think Paul's superpower is? Look at verse 17, the middle of verse 17, and we'll read through 18. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. The power that He wants us to have that's going to result in a full life is to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. That seems like a pretty lame superpower. Just to, just to understand something seems like a lame superpower that would fill your life. But this is actually an incredible superpower, what Paul is asking for. Because let's, let's think about that a little bit. He doesn't use the word comprehend. We're not just going to mentally get the love of Christ. The, he uses the word to grasp. And the Greek word is even a little stronger. It's like to take something, get your hands around it, and take it to the ground, to tackle it. And what Paul is asking for is for us to take this thing, tackle it, and shove it into our hearts so our lives are full that we can't imagine anything else in our lives. That's a superpower Paul is asking for. And so for us to realize how incredible that is, we should think about what we're trying to tackle here. He says to grasp how wide the love of Christ is. How wide is the love of Christ? Well, think about this passage. As far as the east is from the west, so far have I removed your transgressions from you. As far as the east is from the west. How? So we need to get our hands all the way out to the east, all the way out to the west, and we need to get our arms around this and, and tackle and shove into our hearts. All right, so that's how wide. How long is the love of Christ? Well, let's think, let's think backwards at creation. No, before creation, right? Before of all eternity, 
Christ loved you. So let's stick our hand all the way back there and let's go all the way to the end of time, which there is no end of time, and let's get our hands around that and let's tackle that. How high is it? How deep is it? Well, it was deep enough that Christ suffered hell for us on a cross. It was deep enough that Christ descended into hell, proclaimed victory over death in hell. So let's get our hand down there and let's go all the way up to Jesus' throne where he's living and reigning and ruling for us. Let's get our hands over how wide, how long, how high and deep, and let's grab this, tackle it, and shove into our hearts. Seems like a bigger superpower than it did at first, right? For us to grasp that. And that's the only thing that's going to fill our lives. And maybe that makes us a little sad because we're like, I can't do that. I can't really get my arms around that love. And that's true. But that's what makes Paul's doxology at the end so beautiful. Let's read in verse 20. Let's see how Paul figures this out. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to His power that is in work within us, to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Did you catch that? To Him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. So Paul just asked for this thing for us to get our arms around the love of Christ that we can't get our arms around. And what Paul says is, God, you could even do more than that. What I'm asking you is something impossible, but you could do more than impossible. That's how big God's love is. That's how big God's power is for us. If we think what we're doing or what we're asking from God is too much, God can do it. And He can even do more than we ask, more than we imagine. What does that mean for our own lives? That our God can do more than we ask or imagine? Well, what does it mean for our prayer lives? What have we been praying for? Have we been praying for, for a new government or a new political thing? We're not really using... We're God, like, if we ask God to bring a new president, we're asking something that God could super easily do. He could bring his finger, and he could put a new president. He could bring a new leader. He could give you money. He could change your job. He could do all these things for these circumstances. But really, God could do so much more. He could change your heart. And that is a way bigger request. Maybe our imagination has been a little too small in our prayer lives, where we've 
been focusing too much on circumstances instead of praying for God. Help me get my arms around how wide and long and deep and high is your love. Shove that into my heart so that my life is full and I can see the circumstances I am in through the lenses of your love. Now that's an ambitious prayer. And God could even do more than that. You know, last year at, at seminary, after class, I was leaving and, and there was this, um, this fire hydrant and it was leaking. I don't know if they were draining it or what was happening, but it was just gushing out water and all onto the grass, this nice grass. And some sweet person, I don't know who it was, it was before we walked out, blessed their soul, put a small little five-gallon bucket down to save the grass. So they walked over, put a little bucket, and I'm sure it filled up in less than, less than two seconds. Like the fire hydrant was just pouring out, and by the time we were there, the little bucket was just in a huge lake. It did absolutely nothing. I think that that bucket could and should be us. God has so much power and love and purpose to fill our lives. We can't imagine wanting anything more than what Christ could give us. He has infinite love to give us. So we can pray to get our arms around that and God will fill our lives all the way filled to the fullness, filled to all the fullness of God. And we can do that. We can be filled to all the fullness of God through prayer, through grasping at the ungraspable, and through a God who could do so much more. Amen. Amen.